Hey, thank you everyone who supports this show and all the things that we do at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you are not already, you can you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Yeah, different intro this week. I know a lot of people like that intro. Uh, this is a general topic issue. I know people were like... General but topic? That, I, I know that the, the name... Major spoilers, right? General topic, major spoilers. I know people were looking at this as a, oh, we're not talking about Black Widow. He's being sarcastic. Of course they're going to be talking about Black Widow. No, we're not going to be talking about Black Widow because Black Widow was supposed to be in theaters and we had a Black Widow trade paperback to read, but it's been pushed because of this crazy stuff that's going on. Theaters are still yeah. closed. Maybe they're going to start opening this weekend. Maybe. More on that in a moment. But I figured, you know what? This is like the second or third time where we've been shot in the foot because we were going to do a James Bond thing when a James Bond movie came out. We're going to do a, a Black Widow thing when the Black Widow movie comes out. So I just said, okay, wait. We're just going to take Black Widow, and we're going to wait until they finally release that movie. Then we're going to talk about the trade. So it coincides. So it feels like we got some synergy going on. Synergy. So this week at General Topic uh, Issue, we are continuing on our conversation from the Major Spoilers pre-show. For those of you who are not a patron, that's fine. Uh, if you are a patron, I hope you enjoyed that uh, somewhat controversial pre-show. Uh, thank you so yeah, much for your support. Yeah, we don't usually go there, and we, we yeah, we went yeah. some places. No, but thank you so much for your support. This is literally keeping us going through, through this time. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Speaking of movie theaters opening this weekend. Hmm. There are some theaters that are opening. Some theaters are not. Uh, some theaters are, you know, even if they, they've been told that they can open, have decided, I think, in Texas, they have said that, yes, theaters can open, but uh, uh, Alamo Draft House has said, no, we're not opening. Sorry. This is not going to happen. Yeah, that's good. But here's an interesting story that popped up today. Now, AMC has been in the news a lot since uh, the shutdown because they were on the verge of bankruptcy. I, uh, Brian Ebbett told me on Monday that they found some South Korean investor to invest like $500 million to keep them from going bankrupt. I couldn't, I couldn't find that story. So I don't <laughs> know if that's true or not. So uh -oh. AMC may still be going bankrupt, but I think they shot themselves in the foot because Universal Pictures announced, you know, before that they were going to be doing uh, the direct-to-video, the, the uh, premium VOD, and they did that, what, two weeks ago with Trolls World Tour? Mm -hmm. And apparently that offended AMC theaters so much that they have said, fine, we're never going to show Universal movies in our theaters ever again. What? Mm. Now, granted, AMC is one of the bigger movie theaters yeah. uh, chains that are out there. But to say, this is what, uh, this is Shell, uh, the uh, person over at uh, AMC. The results for uh, Trolls World Tour have exceeded our expectations and demonstrated the viability of PVOD. Uh, this is a Universal Shell, Jeff Shell. Uh, as soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats. So that's kind of good for me, who's always been like, give me both. But AMC chairman, uh, what's his name, uh, Adam Aaron, said this is ridiculous. It's disappointing to us. 
but uh, therefore, effective immediately, AMC will no longer play any universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East. So how many theaters does AMC have? It's, I want to, so theaters, uh, that's a good question. Let me look here. I, I, uh, you know, when we look at it, number of locations, they have a thousand theaters, so actual physical locations, but that represents 11,000 screens. Okay. I don't know if I would be that, I mean, sure, Universal, I mean, AMC can do whatever they want. Universal can do whatever they want. That's the, that's the great thing about America and uh, capitalism uh, and uh, competition is that we can do all this stuff and see what works and what doesn't work. But AMC coming off of bank potential bankruptcy, or still in bankruptcy, and then saying, "Oh, let's see how many movie studio, how many movie theater studios are out there." Well, we got Universal, yeah. Well, we got Fox. No, you don't. That's over at Disney. Okay, so we got Disney. We got Marvel Studios. No, that's also Disney. Okay, so we've got Disney. Uh, we've got uh, Lucasfilm. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry, that's also over at Disney. So we've got Universal, Warner Brothers, and Disney. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a few others. Don't at me. But oh, let's let's knock out a third of our comp, uh, of the movie revenue that we could potentially be bringing in by not having Universal movies in our in our theater. It yeah, does uh, sort of bring up the question of is this how they came so close to bankruptcy? Because that's a stupid maneuver. No, AMC. Well, all the movie theater chains for oh the last couple of years have blamed the studios for their failure. Because the studios weren't putting out good movies. Oh, sure. And because the studios not putting out good movies, that's the reason why we're losing all this money. It's the same argument the comic book stores have that when they say, well, if if the comic book publishers would just put out good comics, we'd have tens of thousands of people arriving into our store. Mm, We have a we have a constant stream of nerds just coming in and picking up nothing as opposed to only a handful of diehard fans getting their pull lists yeah so i think this is a real mistake personally this is just my opinion i don't i don't know what you think matthew on this whole deal it sounds like a mistake because it sounds like a scorched earth strategy that's not from a place of strength first of all i mean yeah i agree with you if you're coming off of a near bankruptcy or a situation where you were even considering bankruptcy why would you want to come out and immediately burn a bridge And I feel like, I don't know how many movies Universal puts out a year, but I feel like the name Universal seems like something to where you're probably knocking a hole in your possible slate, which means that whatever other movies there are, let's say, you know, there's five movies out or 10 movies out a given week and three of them are Universal. That means that your 11,000 screens in your thousand theaters are now showing 30% less stuff than your competitors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if you're just doing it to try and shoot somebody in the foot and punish them for, you know, how dare they mess with your business, you're hurting yourself as much or more as you're hurting them. So here's the thing. Had none of these movie studios done premium VOD, had they all said, you know what, we're just going to wait until the movie theaters open back up and then release all these movies that people want, had Bloodshot not done as well on premium VOD, as Trolls had not done as good on premium VOD as all these other things— then I think AMC might have been in a position to say, yeah, you either you either do it our way or whatever, and we're going to tell you when you can go and sell your stuff to other people outside of our uh, exclusive window. 
But AMC is the loser here. They're in a down position here. Universal's already said that PVOD worked for them. Why would they back off on something that works for them? Now, granted, uh, they may be able to get in. No, actually, this is a win-win for Universal. Because they could say, okay, fine. If you don't want to show the theater, if you don't want to show this, that's fine. Uh, Good luck. We hope you do well. We're now going to be selling this movie to people at home for 20 bucks a pop for a rental. Yep. We're going to be taking all of that money and you're getting nothing out of your $5, $10 ticket or whatever current ticket prices are here in Hayes. Uh, I can still get a ticket for $8. $11.47. That is just a real big... That's a real big... uh, that's a Olympic real big shoot. Yeah, I don't know what the thing is. Yeah, about so that. it's 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 really interesting because uh not too long ago AMC was in a similar uh scrape with MoviePass, where mm-hmm. basically uh AMC was like, We don't like this movie pass thing, and MoviePass was like, Oh yeah, well, we are going to stop allowing movie pass in like basically the like the 10 biggest theaters that amc owns Mm -hmm. and that didn't last very long because in that equation amc had the product right yeah they're the ones that are like well people want to see this movies and they don't want to go to a different theater so they'll just pay and also movie pass was garbage to begin with Mm -hmm. so not a tenable um, business model. Yeah, I'm yeah. reading this. So, I'm reading this story on Variety, and they mentioned nothing about the money coming in. Although it does say Parent AMC Entertainment unveiled plans on April 16th to raise five to raise 500 million dollars in new debt to improve its balance sheet. The funds from the Senior Notes offering, which will have to be repaid in 2025, should be enough to keep the company going into the middle of the summer. AMC said in a filing. So apparently they have the money, but it's still talking about they're trying to raise it. So that's really weird. So yeah, yeah they're the in a really exists, bad position. They just don't have it in hand yet. Yeah, that's that's a really bad position for them to be in. I so I have a a huge. I'm pretty sure it's an AMC theater. We have a huge AMC theater oh, sure. near my yeah. house yeah, that's yeah. attached. It's attached to the mall, sort of. It's like in the same complex. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, if AMC goes under, who would move in there? Because I don't think well, that like most other movie theater companies want a like a, a movie theater that big it's like where's it Here's, like regal or whatever is like yeah so you have amc regal cinemark big. yeah yeah is dickinson still a thing dickinson is owned by amc well i think dickinson yeah. is owned by amc now yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So here's here's what I thought several weeks ago. So for like three weeks in a row, Ashley and I were talking about how AMC was uh, going to be in financial trouble for Finally Friday. It's our live show that we do, uh, 4 o'clock p.m. Central Time on Fridays. Uh, but for the last three weeks, we've always been interrupted by something else. My theory was there would be two potential companies who could come in and buy the movie theater itself, AMC itself. Um, the FTC has already cleared it. They said that there's no problem with movie studios owning theaters, uh, basically rolling back vertical integration. Right. Uh, and so there were only two that I could think of that would benefit from owning their own theater chains. Number one would be Disney, but mm-hmm. Disney stock has taken a tumble. It's all the way down to around a hundred bucks a share. On the other hand, Netflix stock has soared to almost $500 a share during this uh, this uh, pandemic, and who is the of those two, who would stand to gain the most from having theatrical distribution? Uh, Netflix. 
Yep, Netflix, because Netflix has been trying for years, and of course they had uh, the Martin Scorsese film, but they've been trying for years to get their movies recognized as real movies, mm-hmm. and the you know the Academy has said, no, we can't give you an Oscar unless you're running this in theaters, which has meant that Netflix has had to scramble to get their movies into small theaters of people who would allow them, and of course you had a lot of theater chains that were kind of like AMC turning up their nose and saying, no, you're not a real movie studio. How dare you, sir? You are so if Netflix theater. went in and bought AMC and said, fine, we're running our, our uh, movies in, in these theaters, I, granted, they'd probably close more than half of them. Oh, yeah. But uh, now we have our own distribution outlet to put these movies into, and Academy, you can't say anything about how uh, our movies don't qualify for Oscar contenders. That would be the big FU. The FU money that Netflix has right now would totally be able to, to pull that stunt. And, and then watch the Academy just change the rules to say that, well, cell phone theater chains don't count. <laughs> well, well, let's let's hold on. Let's hold on a second and see where the movie industry goes from here. Because yeah. it might just be that Netflix doesn't even have to do that, that the Academy will turn around and be like, well, we want to still exist. So please, Netflix. All streaming services, yes, your movies are now movies. Uh, episode three of Stranger <laughs> Things, here's an Oscar. Yeah. You know, like we, we would like to still be in the uh, in the consciousness of the people yeah. at all. We would like to exist in a year. Yeah, it, it's, exactly. it's, it's funny because I think that a lot of this also reflects onto the digital comics uh, scene, right, where there's sure. the big outcry from comic book retailers who don't like digital comics because they think that that's a threat to... Yes. To their business, which, I, you know, I, I find very h- hilarious on a number of different uh, levels. But I just for the last couple of weeks have been commending Action Lab Entertainment for putting out digital firsts all during this thing and not really giving, uh, you know, an, an F about what Diamond or the comic book store said. Now, granted, maybe a lot of comic book stores aren't carrying Action Lab stuff. They should because it's good stuff. But Sunday came around, and uh, I had not received an email from Action Lab saying, hey, here's our comics coming out this week. And a person who jumped in t- into my uh, DMs is, let me uh, let me uh, find his name. Um, let's see. Secret person. Okay. Secret person. Uh, no, I'll just say it's a secret person, but I, I think it's what? Wolf and Crow. The Wolf and Crow comic book. That's He's he's the one of the creators behind the Wolf and Crow comic out from Action Lab Entertainment. He was like, hey, I don't know if this is a proper way to do it. I just want to let you know that we have this book coming out this week, and I'd be more than happy to send you a copy and anything else that you need. And I responded back. I was like, well, typically we get our stuff directly from Action Labs. Um, you know, I haven't received anything from them this week, so maybe it would also, you know, be a good idea for you to reach out and make sure that we're still on their distribution list. And he's like, Oh no, didn't you hear the entire company has been furloughed. And I was like, really? And so I reached out to the PR person and she responded. She's like, I'm really not supposed to be answering company emails, but yeah, I've been furloughed. And in fact, the entire company has been furloughed. So yeah, no action labs, even though they were trying to go strong and, and weather through this, uh, everybody is currently furloughed. Aspen comics has also furloughed its employees. Uh, I forget there was another one. Valiant, I think, also put a bunch of people on furlough. Um, So, yeah, this is all happening on the news that Diamond is going to start reshipping comics beginning May 20th. Mm. Mm. This this also on the heels of the big DC announcement that DC was going to be like, no, we can't wait. We're just going to start shipping this weekend. 
or actually today. Today is new comic book day, Tuesday. Hooray. Well, I mean, we're not surprised necessarily. These are, these are really strange and unpredictable times. So I'm kind of hoping that these furloughs are, short-lived yeah i mean the good thing about furloughs you know should companies survive it is you know we're laying you off with the anticipation that we're going to rehire you as soon as we can right mr furlough was probably the worst part of three's company in the latter seasons though yeah jack what's going on so i i thought i'd bring that up only because we've been talking about action comics the last couple of weeks and i think we've been reviewing a lot of action comics over the last couple of weeks but uh no action comics this week yeah, the Action Lab books have been uh, pretty solid. I yeah. think we've done, I've done at least one a week for the last probably four weeks now. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. And uh, had some good conversations with DC, had some good conversations with Comixology this week, so that's good. Nice. Um, speaking, of, speaking, of, speaking of things that are good, Star Wars, episodes four, five, and six. Real quick, without a lot of thought, which one of those is your favorite? Matthew? Five. Rodrigo. Um, six. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Okay. Why do you like Return of the Jedi? I'm curious. Um, there's just like a lot more teddy bears in it <laughs> than all the other ones. Oh, thank goodness you said teddy bears. Um, I my favorite is always n- number four, and I think we talked on the pre-show last week how the special editions have just kind of ruined the movies for me. Yeah. But uh, so the thing is, I'm sitting the boys down and we were uh, we were sitting down and watching all the Star Wars movies and we're watching them in release order, not chronological order, not uh, uh, machete is, order, not the machete order. None of those. We're just watching them in their, excuse me, chronological release order. So we just finished up on Saturday with episode six. Mm-hmm. And after we were done, oh, they the boys just had a lot of fun with Return of the Jedi. They agreed yeah. that the Ewoks were creepy AF. Right. Especially the new blinking Ewoks. Oh, yeah. But um, I asked them why they liked Return of the Jedi the most. Because that's the one that they, they favored over everything. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, because it had a lot more explosions and a lot more action in it. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Because a lot of people kind of side with Matthew on Empire Strikes Back. And the oldest was like, yeah, that one's interesting and good because there's a lot of revelations, but there's a lot of non-action in that. There's a lot of talking and a lot of, you know, the father reveal and that kind of stuff. He's like, that was okay, but Return of the Jedi is so much better. Yeah, Return of the Jedi is like a movie-long third act, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the third act, it tends to be the most exciting part of the film. It's like everything that all the revelations are out of the way all like the heroes know what they're supposed to be doing. Now it's time to do it. And like, that's all like, that's all return of the Jedi is. It's just like from top to bottom enacting this plan to basically overthrow it, like rescue people, overthrow the empire. Let's go. Well, at one point we had to stop the movie and have a discussion. Uh Oh, 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 the big thing was, Oh, the best part was before we had to stop and have the conversation. The best part was, when they both realized that Leia was Luke's sister, spoiler alert, everybody. Right. The oldest was year old spoiler alert. The oldest was like, wait a minute. But in those other movies, they were kissing. And I'm like, yep, yep, they were. And he was like, ew. <laughs> so that was, you know, watching these kids have the same reactions that people, you know, the older generations have is so fun to watch. But the yeah. one I was not expecting, and this may be, partially due to um, 
The Force Awakens. No, which is the one with the little uh, penguin things? Uh, oh, that's that, the, the next one. That's Last yeah, Jedi. Last Jedi, where, you know, Chewbacca had a pet or whatever of the little yeah. penguin things. At one point, the youngest, after the, the Ewoks are running around and blowing up stuff, the youngest like says, man, I sure hope they get to keep that one. And I'm like, wait a minute. You do know that Ewoks are their own people, that they, yeah. that they, that they have their own society, that they are not, you know, lesser just because they're furry. So it's not like they get to keep it like it's a pet or something. Mm-hmm. And the oldest is like, well, yeah, like Chewbacca. And I'm like, no, 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 Chewbacca is also not a pet. So we had to have a stop and have a conversation about just because somebody looks different doesn't mean that you get to keep them as a pet. In fact, in fact, my son, as you will see when we finally get to Solo, (laughs) it was getting Chewbacca's freedom that got him to hang out. Yeah. So I was just really surprised that they had that kind of reaction. It's like, oh, I hope they get to keep him. Right. And it's and it's like. I was shocked because it's like, you mean like a, like a pet? Uh, or did you mean like, I hope he gets like he to stick around in future team, adventures? Right? Yeah, like the team. And I think that's what they were ultimately suggesting and not that it's right. okay to have, you know, Rodrigo is going to become my pet. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think that they, yeah. they meant something like that. But as fuzzy as Rodrigo is, he's not modeled house, on an house trained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, though. I mean, and it's easy to make that, especially with Chewbacca, to make that kind of mistake simply because if you look at Chewbacca throughout those three movies, Chewbacca does not ever say anything that sounds like actual language. It's easy to discount Chewbacca as being basically an animal. Yeah. Because Han does all the talking for him and Han is basically, you know, if you look at it from that perspective, he's the space equivalent of the cat lady. And I'm wondering if it's not partly my, my, my fault because I always talk for our cat. Now, no. and they, no, and they know that the that. cat is a pet. The, the thing is, is like um, media is very powerful and people absorb that media like automatically and without any reservations. You just watch something and it is like inside you and becomes a part of you yep. immediately, especially when you're very young. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember... Uh, talking to my brother uh, when the Matrix came out or when when he finally saw the Matrix, he was still very little. And we talked about it and he was like, yeah, it's like it's crazy. Or or we said something about how, you know, in like the lobby scene where they're like shooting, just like gunning down people. Right. And I was like, yeah, it's like later on, like those guys probably got paid a lot, you know, just to have Keanu Reeves like run over them and like step on them and stuff. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, they're like stunt doubles. And he's like, oh, they didn't die? And I'm like, no, they didn't die. It's like, obviously, they didn't just murder a bunch of people for the sake of this movie. And he got really upset at that moment because, yeah, it's like when all of a sudden when he had that realization, it's like, oh, my God, I was thinking something terrible and just kind of going along with it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, what if that had been true? What sort of monster would I be? You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm. and I think that happens a lot with media. And I think sometimes that's why people are very defensive of their media, especially when something's pointed out to them. Yeah. Uh, You know, you're I think your kids are really smart and they're emotionally smart. Yeah. So they're able when you're like, well, no, this is a sentient being. So 
you have to put yourself in Chewbacca's non-shoes. Right. Um, and and think, you know, from his point of view. And it's like, oh, yeah, obviously Chewbacca, like, makes decisions and helps his friends and decides which direction C-3PO's head is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. I think... I think this is going to be interesting is going to be in the next part, because the reason why I think that they really enjoyed Return of the Jedi more was because that was the point when Lucas realized, oh, kids is where the money's at. Oh, yeah. And so we got to make we got to make this Star Wars thing as cutesy as possible. And I'm going to be curious because the next movie we're watching is Phantom Menace. Which is terrible. But but I hate Return of the Jedi. I think it's the worst of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, just personally, because it feels so kidified. But I'm, I have a feeling because they're at that age where they think Return of the Jedi is awesome, I also think they're going to think Phantom Menace is awesome because it's got pod racing, it's got a kid as a protagonist, it's got a funny, silly character in it. It's got, it's got 1999 visual effects, which I, may cause them to yell and, they and cheer. Didn't, they I didn't, know my kid does. They didn't complain about 1999 visual effects in uh, in Return of the Jedi. Or, that was 1983. That was still, you No, know. I'm talking the only movies you can watch are now the, are the enhanced the special, special editions with the all the crap that's been added into it. Yeah, I, I think an like, I, I think the special editions really give us a, a huge insight into uh, George Lucas because this was right before The Phantom Menace. And it's not just that Lucas was like, we need to make this more kid-friendly. I think that he, Lucas was just getting older. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't want, like, I don't want people to think of Han Solo as this, like, terrible smuggler guy. I want them to think of him as end of the series Han Solo, as this person who is, who ha- who isn't even a scoundrel with a heart of gold. He just has a heart of gold. He's responsible. He's a good person. He's going to marry Princess Leia. It's going to be great. And he's, like, going back and trying to change that. And you can see those impulses as well in these uh in the prequels as he is just completely in a corner about how to make anakin both a sympathetic character mm-hmm. and a bad guy mm-hmm. right and right. and in my opinion doesn't pull that off it's it's very jarring like it, it really feels like a, fl- a switch just gets flipped and it's not a very satisfying switch yeah, yeah and that's that's one of the things that we ran into um we were when was it? Was it 99 when Phantom Menace came out? Yep. Yep. When Phantom the Menace came out. That changed movies. My wife was having a discussion with one of her friends, and he was like, boy, I hope that kid turns out okay. And she's like, you mean other than becoming a killer cyborg and getting killed by his emperor and, and dying in his own son's arms, right? And he's like, what? Wait, that guy's supposed to be Darth Vader? Yeah, I'm going to wonder, because they know Anakin, so I'm going to be very curious if they... Because well, the name Anakin has been ones. dropped so many times as Darth Vader in these first three movies that right, when but... we hit Phantom Menace, I'm going to be curious. One of them, I think, has already looked ahead mm-hmm. because he was like, oh, let me guess. We're going to look at Anakin as a kid. That's what the first movie's about. I'm like, I don't know. You're going to have to watch and find out. So yeah. I'll just be very interested to see what they think of it. But I was I was Do they little... know anything about like Clone Wars or any of that. Uh, I, you know, they I used to watch Clone Wars and Rebels religiously when they were much, much younger. So they may have a little bit of familiarity with that. Now, the oldest, certainly, but the youngest, probably not. Um, so they may have a little passing familiarity with that. But I think it's fun to just watch this through their eyes and see what they're into and what they're not into. 
yeah through that and it's it, it really gets fun when they start picking things for you to watch because... oh that happens all the time did you not hear me talk about my youtube algorithm getting all messed up no, I don't mean forcing you to watch the crap that they want to see. <laughs> or or tricking I'm, you or, or your uh, evil genius child tricking you into watching something. And yeah. changing, you know, changing all of your social media names to buttface with buttface. <laughs> no, I mean uh Widget actually brought home a movie mm -hmm. uh at which is I mean, she downloaded it. She's like, I want to see this. It's scary. We need to watch this. And so we watched this movie. It's called Antrim, the deadliest movie ever, or something like this. The deadliest movie in history. Okay. But she specifically wanted to share this with me. And it's interesting because it's not a found footage movie, but it is a found footage premise in that the film Antrim is actually a film that was supposedly made in the 70s mm -hmm. that was cursed. And people died during the making of it and people died during the post-production. And during the one actual wide showing, the entire theater burned down and killed 80 people. And so you see this mockumentary set up at the beginning talking about the movie. Then you watch the movie. Then there's some mockumentary at the end explaining what you've just seen in the movie. But they also tell you up front during this stuff, you know, the movie is full of uh, secret hidden messages and flash frames and backmasking and nonsense. And so as we're watching this movie, we're watching for all of this together. Mm -hmm. And at one point we couldn't, I can't, freeze frame and back up on the DV, the DVR. So she would record it with her iPhone and go frame by frame to see what we missed in the flash frames. And it was this experience of together kind of piecemealing and taking this movie apart. And it was great mm -hmm. because it was something that she was interested in and she wanted to make sure that she shared with me. And I'm like, that's awesome. Because yeah, I made her watch the black hole like a hundred yeah, times. Yeah, no, uh, they, they, Star Wars, this is the first time, you know, I've tried to get them to watch Star Wars in the past. This is the first time where I think their spirits are just broken because of being at home all the time now that they <laughs> just have given on. But I've tried to get them to watch Star Wars before, and they both were, they both balked at that. I got the youngest a couple of years ago to w watch E.T. with me, and he loved that. He, we had a great experience with that. Uh, so I'm glad that they're watching this, and I want to see how this experiment continues. But they have... Uh, we do occasionally watch movies that they want to watch. There was some horrible movie not too long ago that they were like, Dad, we're all going to watch this. I'm like, okay, fine. And I watched it and I was like, well, I don't like it, but I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Uh, was so it we Master do... of Disguise with Dana Carvey? <laughs> no. Turtle, no. turtle. No, that's, <laughs> I, I couldn't, it was some movie that had just come out and they were both really excited to watch it. And I was like, okay, fine, we'll watch it. I was really worried that they were going to make us watch Trolls World Tour, but I think they've both aged out of that, so... Yeah. Did you yeah. see the first Trolls? Because honestly, we it did. was not it wasn't, as bad it, as I expected. It, it was, was not as bad as I expected. Okay. Yeah. I think you have to see the first Trolls to really have the, the genre savvy. It's the knowledge of the, the Trolls oeuvre, the expanded universe. I, 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 I've I seen the first you, one. I will bet you anything that it's a better experience to not have seen the first one and watch the second one because... <laughs> It just looks like it's Redcon City. Like when mm -hmm. I can see the Redcons coming a mile away from the trailers, I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's it's like, wh where's your integrity, trolls? Yeah. Yeah. Trolls. Trolls. How dare you? Speaking How of Redcons. You? How come I can't see anybody's butts? Speaking of Redcons. Why are you talking like a Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs fan in 2005? They sold out, man. <laughs> Probably because I was a Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs fan in 2005. Yeah, did you say they sold out, man? No, no, no. I love the yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, okay.
Uh, I uh, speaking of Raycons, I watched Mortal Kombat Legends: Scorpion's Revenge. It just came out on uh, Blu-ray and DVD today. It came you out on see, digital you see a couple Daffy of weeks Dog ago. Daffy Duck get beaten up at the beginning. Who's that? You see Daffy Duck get beat yes. up at the beginning. Yes, uh, Scorpion comes up. Get over here. Um, this movie mm-hmm. is bloody, bloody violent. Right. Like, uh, imagine. Is it remember, a cartoon or a live it's, action? No, thing? it's an animated movie. It's a Warner Brothers animated movie. But it is hard R. Like, you thought, I mean, they, they have a lot of the finishing moves from the original game, like when Scorpion breathes fire on someone, rips your spine out and all that stuff. That's in sure. the movie. But they take it to an extreme here. It's, it's it, To me... I thought it was a lot of gore porn, you know, just gross for gross sakes. Like, hey, let's see someone's muscles literally getting ripped in half from inside of their body. And let's see a X-ray X-ray view of what it looks like when uh, someone like Liu Kang punches somebody in the face and we see his nose and his facial uh, uh, structure break apart. Let's see all that mm-hmm. stuff in close up. Let's let's splatter the the make believe animated camera with animated blood and have it drip down. So wow, that's Mortal Kombat. It is yep. pretty violent, so be aware of that. The other thing was, wow, this was a remake of the first Mortal Kombat movie mm-hmm. featuring, but with a different hook of now we have a little bit more backstory on where Scorpion comes from and why he wants to be part of this tournament. Mm-hmm. But it is still, hey, we got to defeat Goru and uh, we can't let the uh, Outer Realms win again or Earth is destroyed. It was... Straight up, a uh, animated remake of the of the first movie, which yeah. I thought was really really weird. Well, I, don't I mean, know. I the mean, first it's been twenty five years. Yep, it's, I mean, it, it came it, out a long time ago. Now, on the and plus side, go ahead. It's it's gotten to the point where, for Mortal Kombat fans, that movie is pretty much canon. Yeah. Um the the canon of the games keeps getting reset. Mm-hmm. Um, every every few iterations, and literally the canon of the games got reset for Mortal Kombat 11, and then within the span of Mortal Kombat 11, they pulled like a Crisis on Infinite Earths and reset the continuity again, like within the span of that game. So <laughs> the Mortal Kombat movie is actually the closest thing that Mortal Kombat fans have to sort of this like canonical series of events yeah now again like i said there's a lot of the finishing moves are in here a lot of the actual moves from the game are in here plus i'm pretty sure it features all of the characters from the video games at least the first four to my knowledge are in your sub-zero sub-zero is in there yes he's the main he is scorpion's main antagonist in the movie Mm -hmm. johnny cage johnny cage sonia sonia uh kano uh kano is the australian guy with the cybernetic eye yeah he's in there uh, Raiden. Raiden is in there, of course. Got your Goro. Goro is in there. Let's see. Jax is in there. Uh, Jax the... is from MK2. I think yeah, that's what I said. Game like, only had eight. The first, yep. the first three, three or four games, characters were represented in there. The lady with the fan blades. Got, like, the lady with the fan blades. The uh, centaur guy is in there. The centaur guy is uh, Kintaro. One of the reptilian guys that's... are in there. Yeah. Probably reptile. Uh, I'm pretty sure in the background somewhere there is the uh, smoke guy. Yeah, smoke. So yeah, smoke. So I think they have. I think they have most of them in there. You just now, have to watch the background. Shang Tsung and Shao Kahn, or uh, just Shao Kahn. So Shao Sh- Kahn is. Remind me which one he is. So, Shao Kahn is the muscle 
builder from Outworld who's actually behind the whole mess. Yeah, now he's, he Shang shows up. Sung is he's, the evil wizard who they are both in there. The they term. are both they are both in there. Okay. Yeah, because the the animated movie sets up an animated sequel, which I'm, you know, I I watched this whole thing for an hour and a half going, yeah, I just want to see, I just want to watch the movie. I'm really kind of turned off by the gore and everything that's in there, a lot of the violence, the uber violence in there I'm really turned off by. But by the end, I was like, I kind of want to see the sequel now. Mm. So. To, it might uh, be, I mean. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a whole Scorpion backstory where he was like, he's, I don't think it was Hatari Hanzo, but it was something like that. Yes, yes, you're yeah, absolutely they, right. The whole thing where he's like a, he was like a ninja and he was murdered and yes. he came looking for Sub-Zero because yes. Sub-Zero either that murdered is, him. That is, that is the story. That is the story. Well, cool. Well, that's, I mean, that's like the central Sub-Zero Scorpion um, yeah. feud apparatus, if yeah. you will. Yeah, but the ending is a little bit different, but straight up here are three three uh, earthlings with Raiden going to the tournament and they're going and doing the tournament fights and da 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 working their way up through to Goru and uh, doing all the things. So well, there you go. Uh, Michael, Kevin Michael Richardson is still alive. So he could be Goro again, you know, that would be cool. Maybe, maybe he did the voice of Goro in the original movie. I wonder who did it here. Yeah. You'd have to go and look. I really wasn't paying attention to the voice acting a lot. I mean, it's, it's oh, a you, you'll movie. know Kevin Michael Richardson. He's uh, Cleveland Jr. He has that incredibly deep voice where he's talking like this. It's beautiful. Yeah, he doesn't really talk. He grunts. Goro. I got a question. Here's a, here's a major spoilers poll of the week moment for you guys. Poll of the week. How do you like your hot dogs? Do you like your hot dogs boiled? You know, like vendor, ballpark vendor or uh, street vendor hot dogs. You like them boiled? Do you like them grilled? Microwaved or fried? Hmm. How do you like those those uh, meat wieners heated up? Ranking those four. Just pick your favorite one. I can't do that. You like them all. I like everything. I mean, I'm a, I'm an extremely fat man. I love the hot dogs. I grew up on boiled hot dogs, so generally I will I will either grill them mm -hmm. or uh, Sarah bought an air fryer. Hey, air fryers are great, man. Yeah, so sometimes we'll have them air fried, which is pretty nice. But yeah, it's either for me, it's either grilled or microwaved. Microwave probably more often because it's easiest. What about you, Rodrigo? I guess I would prefer them grilled, but as I don't always have the opportunity, I like them uh, like nuked to mm -hmm. oblivion. Mm -hmm. Like I where they're all shriveled will, up and. Yeah, I would like slice themselves. them open. Yeah, put them in the microwave, slice and then them. like way too long, like two yeah. and a half minutes until yeah. they like they they transmute into a completely different type of mineral. Yes. and then I eat them. Yes. some sort of Cthulian monstrosity. So yeah, I always yeah. I don't like the microwaved ones that much. I mean, that's kind of like a go to if you're like need something fast. Yeah, microwave. you just have to. Bo the boiled ones are also how I grew up, so I kind of like those when I'm at a convention or a ballpark, and you can get that nice boiled. Hot dog. Yeah. You need a big Frank if you're going to boil yeah, 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 yeah. I would prefer grilled. But like you said, you can't always grilled. So lately, when the boys want uh, hot dogs, I'll just throw them in a pan and fry them on the stove. And the first time I did it, they were like, what is this? And I was like, it's not microwaved. It's not grilled. It's kind of in between because it cooks fast and you still get the char and the broiling on the outside. And then, of course, I did the trick where you put a little slit in it. And then as the hot dog yep. is frying and expanding, it starts dancing around in the pan. And I was like, look, mm. magic. And the youngest freaked out and ran. 
<laughs> yeah, I can't imagine why he wants to kill you. Yeah, but I the... can't imagine why he's become a terrible prankster. <laughs> yes, listen to the uh, Major Spoilers pre-show if you want to know more about that. Uh, but uh, the last time that I made hot dogs, I was like, how do you guys want me to make them? And they're like, can you do it like in the pan where you fry them? I'm like, sure. So it looks like... Uh, I mean, it the... makes sense. I That's not something that I've tried, largely because once it's like... It, if it takes I'm not going to go to all the work of having them grilled, yeah. then getting a pan out and maybe an oil or mm-hmm. like cooking spray, that's already too much work. I'm yep. just going to microwave them, but yep. it's not a bad idea. I, I end up cooking a lot at work, mm-hmm. so it it might be a thing for me to do. Now, just does... take, some, take some hot dogs for dinner and just cook them in a pan. I mean, you yeah. certainly could. Uh, like I said, it does require a little extra cleanup. And it does create oh, a lot sure. of a lot of smoke and smell in the house. So now, do yeah. you do do you do like a high grade dog, or you just buy a pack of bars? Hot dog is a hot dog is a hot dog. Usually, we, if we can, yeah. we'll go with um, Hebrew <clears throat> National or yeah. with the um, Nathan's Famous if we can Gail find beef. those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll go Give with those. Get a lot of the Johnsonville uh, cheddar sausages and just treat them like hot dogs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, given the given the choice, I will ask for a beef hot mm-hmm. dog. Mm-hmm. I, I we definitely had a thing when we had just moved to Seattle, and we didn't have a lot of money, and we saw these like hot dogs for sale that were just like your bar s type hot dogs, mm-hmm. and they were for sale. So we bought like two big packs of them, and then my wife ate zero of them, <laughs> and I I ate them all. And two weeks later, I, you had your gallbladder be- removed. <laughs> that was after but i just like i i almost like unless it's prepared in it like unless it is kind of like that ballpark boil with mm-hmm. like all the fixings or whatever mm-hmm. i can't have a standard hot dog anymore like yeah. it needs to be fancier than that it yeah. needs to be at least like a partial beef frank or an all beef frank mm-hmm. or you know a bratwurst or you know other other sausage type things are fine yeah but like a just like a regular like kind of like fat based like puddingy hot dog on the inside i just can't have it anymore mm-hmm. i can't yeah. do it no my my preference would be uh, a bratwurst you know yeah. that would be you know grilled until the the skin explodes uh that would be my preference you don't want a hot dog you a hot dog can explode you don't want a bratwurst or a sausage to burst like that i i kind of like it like that you get a dry inside because all of your moisture. Comes well, but that's when you—that's when you put all the uh, condiments on there that that bring the moisture back. I got super lazy this weekend and Grubhub <laughs> okay. like five times, oh, uh, but I actually had five guys bring me one of their bacon dogs with grilled onions. Uh huh. And for a side dish, I had another bacon dog with more grilled onions, and then they sent me enough French fries to sink the Bismarck. Like they do. Yeah, and I had these two dogs. I'm like, these are really good. And they were just a beef dog. They sliced them all the way in half, mm-hmm. and then they just grilled them flat in the pan yep, like yep. a hamburger. Yep, that's that's when and I fry them. I do slice them. Yeah, you wrap them up in bacon. But what what it came out to be was a, a flat sort of textural experience, which is very different mm-hmm. than eating the tubular dog. And I was like, this is not a hot dog to me, but it's really, really good. Well, yeah. we used to just... Like we used to like in, in my house, we when if we didn't have hot dog buns and usually we didn't like my parents are the types that would be like, why would we buy an entirely different type of bread? We have bread. Yes, that <laughs> you know? that's my so, that's my growing up right there. So 
So you cut them, you know, you slice them along, you, you slice them lengthwise, you open them up, you take two of them, yep. you cook them, however you're going to cook them, and then they will la lay flat on a sandwich. Um, and then you just kind of have a, a hot dog sandwich. And honestly, like a hot dog bun doesn't really hold stuff that's not basically a gel very well. Mm -hmm. But you make a hot dog sandwich, you can put tomatoes on it, you can put, you can like actually put like fresh ingredients on it. So it's, you know, it's, it's a different experience, but it's nice. Yeah. See, when we do the bread, I'll do a dog regularly and I'll do corner to corner That's yes. and then wrap it up and you get the triangular kind of a taco shell thing. Mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's how, you, that's the only way I can eat a hot dog on so, regular bread because. So I don't, I don't mean this to sound bad. Oh, it will. But I grew up like Rodrigo where you so ate your hot dogs on bread. You ate mm -hmm. your hamburgers on bread. There's no use buying the other type when the bread is perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah like if it's somebody's birthday, you might get burger. Maybe, bugs. maybe. Yeah. But I always feel like the people that grew up with, oh, hamburger buns and hot dog buns every single time, that and nothing else, I always kind of think that were they like rich people? I, I, no. I think that, that I, I always have people, this weird kind of thing like, oh, well, aren't you? Didn't you grow up in a fancy household? Two different kinds of breads for your for your meats. Yeah, I, I think it really depends on what your parents prioritize and what they saw as wasteful. Mm, okay. Like it, it, it's like in, in my house, we never went fishing because we would have had to buy everything. You know, we didn't have fishing equipment and there wasn't a tradition in you know, and most of our family for fishing. Yeah. But in a lot of places, both in Mexico and in the United States, where your family does have a tradition of fishing, you spend money on fishing. You buy a good rod, you mm -hmm. go out fishing, and then here's this basically free fish, except you have to pay for the license. Right. Um, and you open it up and go through all the trouble and stuff. And it's like, to me, like ha like owning a boat and going fishing or just even just going fishing like that weirdly to me seems decadent like yes. i'd be like yes. who has the time and the energy and all this right. stuff to do it but it's just what that family prioritizes right that might yeah. be the exact same family that is like burger buns in this economy yeah it's yeah. the inverse of that how can a child have a, a good childhood if they don't have all the things that i had how can a child be a happy child without Saturday morning cartoons and, you know, terrible raisin bread? It's the same thing. It's in reverse. It's what are these people's lives like that had things or routinely did things that we never did? Yeah. It's hard to, to conceptualize I, something that you, you never had. I and just always saw as an adult. I just always saw the hot dog and hamburger buns as that luxury item. Ooh, you must be fancy. Sure. As an adult, I will buy them. I will always buy them. If I know we're going to have hamburger patties, it's uh -huh. not actually meat because we don't, we don't usually buy yeah, meat. Yeah, no, veggie burgers are fine. If I know we're going to have hot dog, I'm going to get the buns because, first of all, they're like $1.99. Sure. Second of all, we have three adult incomes in the house, three and a half if you count, you know, me. And it's a, it's a moment where I feel like that's not really a moment where I'm willing to splurge. There are a few things where I'm like, I will not skimp on bread. I will not skimp on sheets or uh, any type of mattress. If you're sure. buying those, you don't buy cheap. And I don't buy cheap chairs. I'll buy cheap couches. I'll buy cheap, you know, 
big furniture, but I will not buy cheap, cheap just plain chairs. Yeah. I'll right. buy cheap cars all day long. Yeah, and that's, again, it's just what you prioritize, right? Yeah. My, yeah. Uh, Matthew buys a $500 car mm-hmm. three times a year. I <laughs> I kind of broke the bank buying my little economical brand new car. Mm-hmm. And and actually, we both do it for the same reason. Is like because we're both like I don't want to have to worry about this car, but we make completely different decisions mm-hmm, about mm-hmm, it. Right? Mm-hmm. My car is disposable because I didn't put money into it. That's actually not true. My current car costs like ten grand, and we've yeah. had it for fifteen years. But leading up to that, well, I hey mean, man, you're moving math, up in the like, world. You got a new it's house, and a new yeah. car. It's good times. Yeah, it's a, it's a house. I got a garage with yeah. one of those automatic garage door Move openers. Oh, and the best part, this is the best part. So when I go to bed, right, mm-hmm. I tell the security system to turn off the lights. I tell it to arm the security and lock all the doors. And it does. And I feel like I'm living in the future. I, I really hope that uh, when you say that, it's just like a complex Rube Goldberg machine with like a monkey with symbols. The monkey like, time, time to turn on the security system. And the like, monkey with symbols like a... falls to the edge of the table and it falls and that causes the croquet hammer to knock the croquet ball across the room. Then it bumps into a balloon that goes <laughs> and it hits the drone that hovers in the living room. And the oh, drone man. goes over. Yeah, I, it's, it's like, like I... halfway through it stops and like your wife turns to you and is like, did you remember to light the candle that burns the string that hits that ha- <laughs> that holds the thing that hits the bird that causes it to scare the dog? Oh, Dang no. it! I forgot to light the candle. Got to light the candle. It's... And I have to go downstairs. There is a YouTube channel where a guy does that. Yeah. Uh, he's making the rounds recently on Twitter and other places uh, about you know how do we eat dinner, and he's got a whole Rube Goldberg contraption that that does exactly that feeds him throughout the whole meal it's really kind of cool to uh, to see um so yeah uh we were talking in the pre-show about muting and banning people uh on twitter and rodrigo you got into a uh i don't know if it's a twitter argument because one of the people that were part of the conversation uh i couldn't see their tweets because they're private or whatever which i assumed right, right. was which i assumed meant that i was that they were blocking me or muting me no uh so, okay so let me so here's what happened. Uh, actually, straight up, a, a friend of mine, somebody that I know from from online, somebody that I've met and that I've talked to, posted this thing from a D&D book. This is from mm-hmm. Volo's Guide. Right. And was basically his post was like, I can't believe that they printed this. And it went viral and people got like really upset about it. Um, and very defensive about it. So I would like to read this passage to you guys. Okay, all right. If that's okay, because I have no, it right please. here. please, please. So this is this is from Volo's Guide to Monsters. And this is d 5th edition. d 5th edition came yeah. out in 2016. Yeah, so just right? a couple so, years ago, I got a copy of this on the shelf. Yeah, so here's the passage. Role-playing an orc. Most orcs have been indoctrinated into a life of destruction and slaughter. But unlike creatures who by their very nature are evil, such as gnolls, it's possible that an orc, if raised outside of its culture, could develop a limited capacity for empathy, love, and compassion. Oh. Hang on. No matter how domesticated an orc might seem, its bloodlust flows just beneath the surface. With its instinctive love of battle and its desire to prove its strength, an orc trying to live within the confines of civilization is faced with a difficult task. So... First of all, 
uh, going back to, boy, I sure hope they get to keep him as a pet conversation yeah, from, exactly. the, from the Ewoks. Exactly. This sounds like right up that alley of, of um, slavery. Yeah, so um, it, it kind of creates this argument. And a lot of people, so basically here's how it tends to go. Somebody goes, oh, my God, I can't believe they printed this. And somebody else goes, well, orcs aren't real. You're the one who's comparing them to oh, yeah, real yeah. world people. You're the racist. And it's hard to explain to people, largely because a lot of the time they're bad faith arguments for lots of reasons. Right. Um, it's hard to explain to people that this echoes language that was used to talk about people during colonialist periods right this yeah. is how the spaniards talk about uh north americans or, or americans in general you know american indians this is how the british thought about uh you know amerindians and stuff north american indians this is how the british <laughs> thought about um asian people and indian people uh, from india so and, you know, you can find examples of these texts that say, well, you know, if you if you were, say, to genocide a baby away from their parents and raise it yourself in a civilized country, they might be able to live a proper, you know, insert your own ethnic group here style of life. Right. That's and, and so this became a huge thing. Um, and that's why this person. Uh, turn their thing to private because it got all the way to like terrible, like hugely popular YouTube trolls. Hmm. And once that happens, Ugh. you know, you start getting doxxed, you start getting like bots like attacking you and yeah, stuff yeah, and yeah, trying yeah. to like crash your system or whatever. So I they were just help. like, hmm. I like, you know, like white pants, I'm out. Yeah. Which is yeah. good, which is the correct thing to do. If if any of you guys ever go, if anybody listening here ever goes viral through a controversial thing, just mute your account. Don't try to fight it out. It's just not, it's not going to go well. So yeah. it's the bad faith argument for people to say, oh, because you pointed out the racism, you're really the racist. That, right. so, that is so weird because you should be able to point out problems and flaws in media and culture and right. art and everything. And the fact yeah. that, Unfortunately, it sounds like this is something that has been ingrained in the fantasy There's... in fantasy storytelling for forever, right? Yes, literally, well, literally, Tolkien, the guy mm -hmm. who invented orcs as we know them, said that he based them on "quote unquote" Mongols and the the more unlovely aspects of Mongols or whatever. He also said later on that he regretted doing that. And that it wasn't his intention to do that. And that's fine. But these tropes have carried on yeah. and continue to carry on. And D&D um, &D is actually rife with them because Dungeons and Dragons has this gameplay loop that needs to be justified. But because mm -hmm. it's a role-playing game, it needs to be very thoroughly justified because you have free will. When you play Devil May Cry and you're just mowing down hordes of demons, they kind of need to justify to you why that's okay, um, but not too much. Uh, in Dungeons and Dragons, where you can actually speak to an orc and they might speak back to you, there have to be all of these extra things. And in the process of trying to make it 
okay for you to stab an orc or a kobold or a goblin or a gnoll and steal their stuff, the writers probably unintentionally are wandering into this territory that already exists that is a terrible territory to be in. Yeah. And it 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 kind of comes from some of Dungeons and Dragons like basic assumptions and its history and um really the fact that a lot of Dungeons and Dragons is already based on colonialist tropes. Right. Um and those tropes just get Xeroxed over to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation of the game without too much um introspection by the creative teams mm -hmm. because they grew up on D D. They're just like, hey, you know what was it, fun? Yeah. yeah, doing this or this. Yeah. And that argument of you're the real racist is really an argument that says, I never thought of it that way. Don't make me think of it that way because it makes me uncomfortable yeah. to address this flaw and this failing in something that I am emotionally attached to. Yeah. I mean and, and the, that's and yeah, that's the other issue is that because people are emotionally attached to Dungeons and Dragons, they feel like they need to defend it. Right. And, and uh, you know, uh, because of the way that Twitter works, you can't really just be like, hey, everybody who's making this argument, you don't have to defend Dungeons and Dragons. It's not actually yours. It doesn't belong to you. You didn't write this. And also... Hasbro only sort of cares about you. You don't have to defend them. They have lawyers. Yeah. The know? problem, I think the biggest problem is that Dungeons and Dragons crosses that line because when you're playing a character that's not human, you're literally, you're playing a character that's not human. And so your mind doesn't think about, you know, the, the type of language or the type of role play that completely minimizes or negates the humanity of the character you're playing. And you and I have actually run into this more than once when I was playing an orc in your game, Rodrigo. Sure. I came in with kind of an expectation of what an orc would be like or what an orc should be like. And you would very subtly, you know, kind of challenge my expectations as the player playing that character to where I always played him kind of dumb. But we also played him as dumb with heart, essentially a right. human character. Yeah, a, a person, right? That's, right. that's the thing is like... Why would you play a game in which your character is not a person, right? Uh, and and you know what? There probably are, there probably is some something to be gained there from you know basically the thought experiment of going in and playing your character like they're not a real person, like they're just a robot or something, right? Right. Um, and not like a fun R two type robot, but like uh, just a robot robot. Right. But um, outside of that, it's like we put humans in everything. You know, when we talk about space aliens, those guys are basically humans. Also, you know, it's it's great because a lot of people were making that argument. It's like, oh yeah, I bet you like think that we're like races against space aliens. And it's like the, the space aliens from say the Phantom Menace that is like, oh, we cannot block, finish the blockade. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, does that, does that sound like a- Yeah, total racism. Does yeah. that or sound racist? And we haven't even met the most racist ones so far. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at like Star Trek, which is a very, you know, forward thinking, very progressive show, yep. and then really deep dive into the Ferengi for a second. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah. Look at the Ferengi. The Ferengi, yeah. all of the major Ferengi played by men who are, in fact, Jewish. And I believe mm -hmm. that that is 
I don't By know. I don't know because I was listening to another conversation that uh, on another podcast, uh, Andrew Heaton's uh, shows, where they were talking about Ferengi, and they do bring that up, but it wasn't intended to be that way right. as they were right. originally written. But that's the I thing. Think it's you. It's not intended to be that right. way. Right. But yeah. your subconscious things happen. Why are the first ten Klingons that we run into in Star Trek? in like the next generation played by black men mm -hmm. it's like or black women and it's like well it's because there's just something subconscious i was like we need a like a big guy like a big strong guy and he's got to be like really rough so blah, blah, blah. unconscious bias let's let's get dorn on this mm -hmm. you know yeah. and it's like star trek does it kind of does it right because then they also give you soft baby boy jordy laforge as well right but but that doesn't that just kind of says we're willing to look at all of this as opposed to undoing any potential issues that you're causing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, with, with any given thing. This is all very thorny, very complex. People get different things out of it and people, people's emotions are tied up in this in very different ways. Yeah. And well, nobody's going to come through a discussion like that completely blameless or unscathed. I yeah, mean, so Stephen I'm, and I just did I an episode say, about, Tyrock. Yeah, we're doing Legion Clubhouse that you'll hear. We just recorded it earlier tonight, but you'll hear it next week where we talk about Tyrock and the intent and how maybe it backfired, but how maybe it was still progressive, but still backfired and still contains right. a lot of unintentional right. racism in there. Yeah, sure. uh, it was it was a question of we want to make a black legionnaire. But first, we're going to explain to you why you've never seen a black character in the Legion before and their explanation, which I still believe was intended yep. not to be Best horrific. Of intentions. Yeah. Right. Was horrific. Yeah. Their in, their intention just went completely off well, the rails and, and they didn't even see it. And then in, the, in their attempt to make it all right, they still refer to Asians as yellow skins. They made it so much worse. Yeah. That's that's this that's this orc thing, right? That's yep. them saying, well, why is like orcs you you can't play orcs off of the PHB because they're a little bit more complicated, right? Let me tell you why they're complicated. Mm -hmm. They are inhuman monsters. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just stop trying to fix it. Mm -hmm. Like, you can, you can write orcs, you can write anything in a way that justifies the tropes that you want to use mostly if you think of an orc and he's carrying an axe and his face is painted and you know basically like in lord of the rings mm -hmm. um there are some cultural parallels that you can make that are okay if you're like well orc tribes are nomadic so they have no use for you know big talky man clothes it's like <laughs> that's fine you can have a bunch of orcs wearing loincloths being nomads and walking around and doing their thing and raiding things because that is one thing there there were nomadic raiding cultures right. you can do that and and you can do that okay and you can especially if you also have human nomadic raiding cultures mm -hmm. um as well or since they've established that they can interbreed just human orc raiding cultures which right. makes about as much sense as literally anything else in a world where you can play a devil man and a dragon man and like a, a person that you know is like a magic magical mushroom guy it's like mm -hmm. you know i you know i don't want to i'm not trying to play devil's advocate but i'm i'm probably sure that this comment was brought up at some point in this long tr twitter uh, argument 
Did yeah, anybody say it's, multi, it's a multi-pronged yeah, monster yeah, yeah. of an argument? So yeah. yeah, did anyone say, "Oh, this is Volo's Guide to Monsters"? So of course, this is written from a you know a, a, a human character's perspective, and so it's going to be flawed with how this particular person sees the world. I, I didn't I didn't see that one okay. specifically uh, because I mean that would be a real of, stretch. Most of the arguments came from that very emotional point of like, why are you saying this? D&D isn't like that. Or, um, lol, 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 you think orcs are real, you idiot. Right, right, um, right. But I will, I will in order to, to talk about that argument, I will point out that the header for this paragraph, or this couple paragraphs, is role-playing an orc. Oh, right, right, yeah. Because that, that's where I said where that argument really wouldn't work, because they're telling yeah. you how to use those characters yeah. in combat, etc., yeah. and not just yeah. descriptions. It's an out-of-game description, and yeah. even if it was written within game language, it would still be a, a, a kind of a non-diegetic description of words, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So how did and you that's... come out on this? Because I saw that you got into uh, I... a, a lot of it. I didn't read the whole thing. I mean, I saw the general gist, and I was like, oh, man, Rodrigo's, you know, a lot of people are attacking him. I noticed yeah. that you didn't turn your tweets to private. I, I didn't uh, for two reasons. The first one and most important one is that largely through major spoilers, because almost everybody who comes to me comes to me through major spoilers or critical hit and a little bit like frog pants people that are almost certainly just coming through critical hit anyway. Mm -hmm. um, because major spoilers are such a positive place where like trolls just kind of don't stick and fall off. <laughs> um, the majority of my following is nice people who don't attack me. Right. And who a lot of the times when they see me fighting, don't like or retweet me because they're like, oh, Rodrigo's fighting. What a weirdo. Let's not even worry about it or, or whatever, you know, for whatever reason. Or they don't want to get into it. Uh, it's like I'm, I'm actually mostly followed by people who don't like fighting, which is nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one reason is because I have this shield where my mentions don't make them permeate out to trolls because they just don't get that far into like the, the bubble of, of happiness that is major mm. spoilers mm -hmm. um, and, and basically spoiler eyes. Um, and then uh, the other one is that I, I got into, you know, I like, you know, pulled back my sleeves and Rolled oh, yeah, up my pants and waded into it. Yeah, I saw. And and laid into a few people. But after a while, it became clear that this person who put this out to his followers or, or to their followers, who are mostly, um, you know, progressive game design type people, um, was now being taken out of context and they were being kind of victimized by this. So I stopped because all I was doing is drawing more attention to them. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh. So I. So you know. Basically, I. 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 I'm. I'm that guy that like a bar fight break like starts up. I ran in, like hit somebody over the head with a bottle, <laughs> and then immediately and ran out. out of there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can see that. I. I just was like, there's no way I'm getting into this because I number one can't see the entire conversation. Number two, it isn't my place to get in and say anything or comment on this but i did see it i did follow it and i was make. i wanted to make sure that you didn't get any uh any negative bad stuff like the person who i was like well i want to i know this person's following me but i can't see their their stuff because i don't follow them and they have their their uh, tweets uh privated so right right anyway and this, this whole argument is part of the reason why i was so worried about the titans tv show 
uh, having Starfire be played by an African American oh, sure. actress. Mm -hmm. Well, sure. that because she Starfire did. so often falls into that proud warrior race guy, and thing. and that Jezebel guy. Yeah. So and you're like, like okay, double, well, double trouble. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna put all of this together and we're gonna put it on the African American character. So now she's an alien. So anything that she does, you can be like, yep, those aliens. No, 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 no. You can't. You, you, no, yeah. bad. All right. Uh, we would love to continue this conversation with you in this happy, what did you say? Happy bubble of major spoilers, whatever. What did you say? Right happy yeah. bubble, major spoilers. Uh, the I, major spoilers, happy bubble. We are so glad that you are with us each and every week. We certainly enjoy having you as being a part of everything that we do. We enjoy kicking back and having these uh, general topic conversations with you. And we also enjoy hearing from you. So there are a number of ways that you can reach us. You can reach us at Major Spoilers, at Fearsome Critter if you want to reach out to Rodrigo, at Mighty King Cobra if you want to reach out to, uh, to, to Matthew, or you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and share your thoughts in the comment section. Or better yet, you can engage with a lot of other really nice, happy people over at our Discord channel. Uh, there's a number of different, uh, well, it's a Discord server, but there's a number of different channels that you can hang out in and talk with people. And everybody is, is gets along really well over there. There is a link in the show notes if you would like to be a part of that. Rodrigo, were you going to say one more thing? Um, I, I will point out that the uh, the conversation about this on the Discord was like, man, people are really mad about works today on Twitter. Anyway, let's talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So you got that going for you. Yep, there you go. Uh, there you go, everybody. Uh, yeah, so go check out the Discord, and a big special thank you to everyone who is a Major Spoilers patron. Uh, right now is a great time. Uh, well, I mean, it's not a great time for the world, but um, we have had a really good time with people supporting us during this time so that we can continue to bring these conversations to you week after week after week. Uh, so I think that's where we're going to end it this week. Uh, we will be back next time. Thank you for listening and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. As I said, if you want to reach out to us, there's a number of ways that you can do it. And of course, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Spoilers. Unlike some comic book publishers who are not giving you any stuffs during this downtime, we will be back next week because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. X-ray vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Think about a better way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Stark Raven, it's like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine being in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler!
This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.